0: today I want to talk out of uh, Luke chapter 15, if uh, you want to follow me today, and and today I want to talk about prodigal sons, prodigal sons, that there's not just a prodigal son, I believe that really there are prodigal sons, and uh, in Luke chapter 15, uh, we get the setting of where Jesus is speaking and who he's speaking to. In verse one, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near to hear him. Tax collectors and sinners. Tax uh, collectors were seen as the worst of the worst. They were uh, people who were dishonest. They would cheat you blind. You could not trust them. Uh, they were partnering with the Romans who, uh, in in our day, they they were kind of the mob. They didn't care what the rules were. They were out for number one. But those people and sinners, you know, those bad people, not like you and I, those, those bad people, the people that drink the wrong things, smoke the wrong things, say the wrong words, hang out with the wrong people, they were what? Drawing near to him. And here's what I want to tell us today. We need to have a church, and we want to be a church where those types of people draw near. Yeah. Can I get an amen? Yeah. And let's see who else came. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. He receives them, and he eats with them. We've got to understand uh, the, the context there. In that day, when you ate with somebody, it was saying, I accept you. It was saying, I value you. And the Pharisees are saying, look at the people he's drawing. L- look at the kind of people that go to that church. And so Jesus, he sees these two groups standing around him, And he tells some parables. And a few verses later, he gets to the parable that we know as the parable of the prodigal sons. And he says this in verse 13. He says, and there was a man, or sorry, verse 11. Let's go to verse 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property Between them. And what we have to understand is that this was a very bold ask. That that usually you didn't ask for your share of the inheritance until your father had died. And by asking for his share of the inheritance now, basically what he was saying was, dad, drop dead. I want what's due to me now. I don't want to live in your house I don't wanna live under your rules. I just want what you can give me and I don't want you telling me what to do. And and so this would be very embarrassing to the father. It would be embarrassing to have one of your sons say, I wanna cash out now. Imagine parents, like if if your uh, 18 year old kid said, you know, dad, we, we talked about when you pass away that I'm gonna receive a portion of your will Is there any way I can just have that now? Like, you would want to slap them across the face. <laughs> Come on, let's just be real. Like, it, it would be embarrassing. But th- this is what he does. And, and here's what, notice what the father does. The father doesn't argue with him. It says, in verse 13, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. or I like the way the King James says it, riotous living. He takes and he cashes out. He takes the inheritance. He doesn't put it in a savings account. He doesn't put it in a trust. He says, I'm out of here and I'm going to live life hard and fast. I'm not gonna play games. I'm not gonna act like I wanna be here. I'm not gonna act like I respect you. I'm not gonna act, I, I'm, I don't have an interest in playing church. I don't have an interest in, in you know, obeying your rules so that I can maybe get more in the inheritance. I want what I want right now. I'm done with your rules. I'm done with this house. I'm done with it all. I've turned 18. I'm going to Vegas and I'm gonna live it up. That's the attitude of this kid. And so the younger brother sins boldly. Like like there's no, you know what, I still kind of like church. I still kind of like the people in church. I still kind of like the father's house a little bit. And so I'm going to go to college and on the weekends I'm going to live it up a little bit. But I'm still going to show up to church every once in a while. There's none of that, like, I'm out of here. I am done, okay? Peace out. If you wanna see what I'm up to, look at my Instagram of me hanging out in Vegas, okay? That, that is what this kid is up to. He is not going to play religious games. And he spends all the money that he received from his inheritance in a short amount of time. And I just want to stop here and I'm going to say I'm not endorsing this lifestyle. I'm not endorsing what this son does at all. Uh, a matter of fact, it's dangerous. If you live this way, it will kill you. It will send you to the lowest of the low. And he, he's rash. He's impulsive. He does whatever feels good. And, and this is The temptation that comes to younger sons is is maybe they saw a little bit of hypocrisy in the father's house. Maybe they saw big brother claimed that he was a good Christian and little brother saw some things in his life that didn't match up. And and so he said, you know what? If, If that's what goes on in this house, I'm done. I don't wanna live that way. Maybe little brother... Saul and heard back from friends that they had left their house, and all he saw was them having a good time. All he saw on Instagram were, were the reels of them with beautiful women and and drinks and lots of money and, and the nice clothes, and that's all he sees. And he's like, I'm tired of being in the father's house here on the farm in the middle of nowhere, not going anywhere, not doing anything. I want out of here and I wanna live for the now. YOLO. Does everybody over 50 know what that means? YOLO means you only live once. And here's what you need to know about that. You only die once too. And so the younger brother lives hard and fast and he spends all the family's money, well, one-third of the inheritance, he spends on living stupid. And it says in verse 14, and when he spent everything, A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. You see, sooner or later, it dries up. Sooner or later, the attention you get from those people stops. Sooner or later, the job ends. Sooner or later, the relationship's over. And he had spent everything, and there was a famine in that country. And I think spiritually what that's saying is the good times came to an end. The people that hung out with him as long as he had money stopped hanging out. The people who hung out with him as long as he could buy all the drinks and he could provide all the entertainment. When all that came to an end, they were out the door. And he began to be in need. And I want to tell you, the first step back to God is to realize you're in need. To realize I need God. This life and this world cannot provide the happiness that I'm looking for. And in case you don't know today, you're in need. You're in need of a Savior. You're in need of the Father's house. And so it says this. He went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And at this time and in this culture, the lowest job that you could ever be hired to do would be to feed pigs. And that's what sin will do to you. It will take you from the Father's house to the pig pen, it will take you to a place that you don't want to go, it will take you to a place that you never saw yourself going. You, know, you, you never saw yourself ending up in the pig pen when you took that first drink or when you took that first drug or when, when you stepped out of the boundaries and you stepped out of the convictions that God had given you. And, and maybe you thought all oh, mom and dad's rules, all, all the, the uh, boundaries in this church are just kind of constrictive and silly. You won't see that the first time you step out. The devil's not going to show you that. He's not going to show you the hurt. He's not going to show you the brokenness. He's not going to show you the things that come when you step out of the safety. And that's why we've got to understand there's safety in the Father's house. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you need is in the Father's house. And it says, he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. None of those friends came to check on him. On. All the people he loaned money to, none of them came back and said, oh, I was just thinking about you. Is there anything? No. I want to tell you, the world will use and abuse you and leave you sitting high and dry. Yeah. Yeah, true. Amen. They will take as long as you can produce As long as you can make those great movies, as long as you can sing those songs, but the moment something goes wrong, the moment that they find out that maybe you can't perform anymore, see you later. And he reaches a point in life where he's hit rock bottom. There's no place to go. He can't go further down. But I love this. It says that he has an awakening in verse 17. It says, when he came to himself. Come on, somebody here today, you need to come to yourself. You need to come to your senses. You you need to wake up that the lies the devil's been feeding you your whole life, the lies you've been believing and the lies that you've been obeying, it's all nothing. It's led you right back to the same place. It's led you right back to the same dysfunction. It's led you right back to believing the same lies. Insanity is what? Doing the same thing and getting the same results. Come on, somebody needs to come to yourself today and say, this is what I've been looking for. The Father's house is where I belong. Come on, somebody thank God. One day you came to yourself. Come on, somebody thank God. By His grace. It's the grace of God that allows us to come to ourselves. How many can relate to this prodigal and you should be dead? It's the grace of God that you're alive, it's the grace of God that you're sitting here today. how can I prove that God loves you? You're alive and you're here. Yes. That car wreck should have killed you. That drug should have killed you. That addiction should have taken you out. But you're here today and, and I'm just hoping and we've been praying that somebody will come to yourself today and say, I'm tired of living life. And he says this, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread. But I perish here with hunger. He says, in dad's house, even the servants have more than enough. I wanna tell you, your worst day in the church is better than your best day in the world. Your worst day in the father's house, you have more than enough. And what is more than enough, you have the protection of the Father. You have the blessing of the Father. You have the provision of the Father. You have the name of the Father. You have the destiny of the Father is upon you. And that is all that matters in life. That is all that we need in this life. Don't go running and thinking that you can find anything outside of the Father's house that will make you happy. And he says, in, in the Father's house, there's, and I preached on this a few weeks ago, talked about extra. We, we want this to be a place where there's more than enough for every person. More than enough for every person. And there comes a time in our life when we have to come alive to the truth. And, and it used to be cute. It used to be cute when we spent all of dad's money and we were young and stupid and all of those things. And we've all made mistakes, but there comes a time where we have to come alive to the truth. And, and verse 18, it says this, it says, he says, I will arise and I'm going to go to dad and I'm going to say to him, I'm going to rehearse this speech. And I'm going to say, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Now, I don't know how sincere his repentance is. I don't know if he's just saying this because he's hungry and he needs a place to go. Either way, it was repentance. Right. Right. And, and, and some of us today, we need to reach a place of repentance. Right. Yeah. Right. And we need to, to, to realize that, that when you did that stuff, it may have offended me, but it wasn't against me. It was against God. Right. It was against the Father who loves you. And, and, and he says, I, "I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no worthy longer. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants." You see, the, the prodigal doesn't, the younger brother doesn't understand grace. He thinks if I go back to dad and I make all these promises tell about how horrible I am, and I admit all that, maybe over a few years, maybe I can work my way back up, I can go from being a slave, and, and maybe if I stick around long enough, they'll let me slip in family dinner some night. That's not how grace works. To my chagrin and sometimes to your chagrin, that's not how grace works. He, he repents, And here's what, he he repents to the best he can at that moment, and here's what I found in my life. Uh, How many of you have have prayed some prayers, and and you've made some promises, and and if you're being completely honest, you had your self-interest, a little bit of your self-interest at heart, but God, in his grace, heard the prayer anyway? Come on, has anybody ever been in that car and whoever was driving was drunk? And you're like, God, if you get me out of this car, I promise I'll go to church for six months. And maybe you weren't completely sincere, but God heard the prayer anyway. We have a graceful, loving God today. Maybe you're here today, and you can't dot all the I's and cross all the T's. I wanna tell you, you just do the best you can do in this moment, and God will give you grace to keep going. How many thankful for the grace of God? today. How many thankful that God doesn't play by our rules? And we see this in verse 20. And he arose and he came to his father. I love this. But while he was still a long way off, Dad was on his front porch and the first glimpse of dirt coming off the road. Why he was a long way off. No, he wasn't perfect. He might have still been addicted. He might still be in a really bad relationship. He might not do everything right. Why he was still a long way off, but he's, he's going the right direction. His father saw him and what? Felt compassion. Right. Yes. Not judgment. Amen. Not bitterness. And, and the father had every right to be bitter. This brat had just squandered a third of the family inheritance. All right. All right. But he had compassion on him and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. You see, this is so important because men, men in this culture, they didn't run. It was seen as undignified and below what was good manners. But he runs and he embraces him and kisses him. That is the heart of our Father. That is the heart of our God. Is to find people that are a long way off. And maybe this time when you ask them to church, they're not instantly saying no. Maybe this time when you say, I'm praying for you, there's not an immediate rejection. And, And maybe they say, thank you. You know what, we need to see, we need to see they're coming the right direction. We need to see that they're taking the right steps and we need to celebrate and we need to thank God for every prodigal that's trying, every prodigal that's doing their best to get back here. And the son said to him, Dad, I've sinned against you, against heaven. I've sinned against you and I've sinned against God. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And here's what I think the younger brother's doing is, Dad, I appreciate this, but you don't know what I did. You see the clothes I have on and what's left. But you don't see the toxic behaviors. You don't see the addictions. You don't see the wild parties. And I love what the father does. Verse 22, he says, but the father said to his servants, bring the best robe, put put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. The father doesn't even bother to listen because here's what the father will not be manipulated by our pity party because the father knows that it's because you're a son that he loves you not because of what you did or didn't do and there's there's not a a good enough repentance speech there's not a, a good enough plan of action there, there, there is no 10-year program where, like, you, if you check all these boxes, maybe, maybe. No, no, it, it's just you're home. We're glad you're home. Go get my coat. And, and here's the, the incredible thing about the best robe would have been the father's robe. And it was a sign that he had been restored yes. back into the family of God. And he covered his nakedness. With his robe. And I want to tell you, the righteousness of the Father will cover your nakedness today. The righteousness of Jesus Christ, when God sees us, He doesn't see what we did in the past, but He sees the blood of the Lamb that was shed on Calvary that we apply by faith. When you step into the waters of baptism, we are buried with Him and what He did. That's why we, we, and we need to be really careful that we don't give too much glory to our past. Come on, that's right. and, and people need to hear what God did in our life. Just make sure you tell act two. Make sure you tell what God did because here's the thing, if this is in a contest and we stand up here and, and well, you know what, I could get up and I, I did wider things than that. that. That's not what it's about. It's about the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed all of it. It cleansed all of it. And then he, he puts a ring on his finger. You know what that ring signified authority. You have authority in this family. You have authority to use my name. It's not your name. It's my name. And then he He put sandals on his feet, and servants didn't wear sandals. That was a sign. You're not gonna go around here like you're some second-class citizen because of your past. I'm gonna completely restore. Has anybody in here ever been completely restored? Because of, somebody just needs to stand on your feet right now and thank him for restoration today. Does anybody still believe in restoration? Does anybody still believe? (laughs) Amen. So there's a second half of the story, and and here's what I want to say. Oftentimes, when we tell this prodigal, we stop there, and we make it about this, you know, crazy, wild younger brother. And that's true. All those things are true. But it's just as much about big brother as it is younger brother. And let's see what happens in verse 25. It says, uh, I'm sorry, verse 23, it says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. And so uh, he says, for this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost. He was found and he, and and they begin to celebrate. They had a party when this kid, came back. And that's kind of what church is all about. Every Sunday, we need to kill the fatted calf. We need to praise God. How many knows that there's a party in heaven for every sinner that repents? More than the 99 righteous. But let's go to verse 25, and it says, Now his older son was in the field, and as he came, he drew near to the house, and he heard music And dancing. And again, if uh, you didn't like the way we worship today, well, we have music and dancing for when prodigals come home. And so, he says, he called, the big brother called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. What is going on at dad's house? Like, I hear people shouting. Uh... You know, the, the, the cooker, the uh, smoker is on, right? There's smoke coming out of the smoker. Uh, people are, are around with party trays, you know, and appetizing. What, what is going on at dad's house? And he said to him, the servant said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf. Because he has received him back safe and sound. But look at big brother's reaction. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father and he said, look, these many years I have served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, he's not even gonna say his name, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. So big brother isn't happy with this party. And can we just stop here for a minute and say he has a little bit of a point? I've been here working this whole time haven't asked for a thing. I've been faithful. I've been doing what you told me to do. And that little brat, cashed out at 18, spent one third of your hard earned money and took it to Vegas. And he spent it on prostitutes And then he loses everything and he comes home and then he just comes home and we're gonna stop everything and have a party. I'm not having it. I'm not gonna go in and act like it's all cool. It's not all cool. Does he realize how much harder I've had to work with him gone? Does he realize how much, uh, you know, uh, brokenness and how much sadness he's brought into your life, Dad. Right. And he just shows up, and it's like, all's good. Yeah. Nothing to see here. Keep moving. And so, Big Brother has a little bit of a point yeah. in the natural. Right. Come on. And here's what we got to realize, and what Jesus is hinting out in this parable. Is the younger brothers not the only prodigal? Big Brother was as much as a prodigal as he was. You see, yeah, he stayed in the father's house, but he did so with a motive. You see, Big Brother is calculating and smart. Sooner or later, Dad's going to die, and I'm going to run this place. And he didn't stay, neither one of them stayed because of the love of their dad. Younger brother left for his reasons and younger brother stayed for the wrong reasons. And you can stay in the father's house and you can obey all the rules and you can do all the outward expectations and your heart be far from the father's house. And I would argue that that's actually more dangerous You see, the younger brother hit rock bottom. He knows what he is. He knows his problems. He knows his dysfunctions. But when you stay in the father's house with the big brother attitude, with the elder brother spirit, you think you're okay because you have quote unquote obeyed the rules. You've gone along with the program and the whole time your heart is with little brother in Vegas. The whole time your heart is outside of your marriage relationship. Come on. The whole time, your heart is somewhere far removed from where you are. And the problem with the older brother is, that although he was physically still in the father's house, his heart was far from it. And his moral behavior isn't for a heart for the father, it's to get what he wants. I'm gonna make a a kind of a bold statement here. I hope it rattles us a little bit. Some of us don't have the courage to sin the way we want to. Do you realize what they would say about me if I did that? Do you realize the consequences in my family if I did that? Now, I'm glad you're not doing it, but that shouldn't be your motivation. Your motivation should be, I have a heart for the Father, to please him, to love him. And and here's what I find is, is verse 30, we see that the older brother is more than happy to fill in some blanks for us about what the little brother did. Right? In the parable, Jesus just said that he spent it on riotous living. The older brother comes along and says, no, 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 let me tell you the whole story. He spent it on prostitutes, okay? He's not just some garden variety sinner, some garden variety alcoholic. He's really bad. And that is the whole attitude of an elder brother's spirit is this, I'm better than you. And elder brothers don't like it when little brothers saved by grace come stepping on their turf. Come on. I've earned this spot. I've been faithful in this church for 50 years and they never gave me a party. Well, honey, I'll, bring, I'll, I'll go by IGA this week and I'll put some candle and we will give you a party if that makes you feel better. But that's the attitude of the elder brother. And and I don't want to have an elder brother spirit. And here's what I want to tell us. The longer we're in the father's house, the more tempting it is to have an elder brother spirit where I've done all this stuff for years. I've obeyed the rules, I've dotted the I's, I've crossed the T's, I've served in that ministry for 30 years and I've done all these things and it doesn't feel like I'm being celebrated. And here, these people, they come through the doors and they've done everything you can name under the sun and they still don't do it right half the time and we give them parties every week. Here's what you gotta realize, it's not about you anyway. It's about the Father. It's about the Father's house. And the elder brother, he typifies the Pharisees that are listening to Jesus. And again, their their attitude is I'm better than you. And until you work really hard to get up to my level, uh uh-uh. uh. Ain't going to your party. And they don't see themselves as a part of community of sinners redeemed by grace. Rather, they hold their beliefs, morality, and ways of worship as a means to demonstrate their superiority. Everything they do is about showing I'm better than you. And they'll tell you they're better than you. You think you can worship? I can worship louder and longer. You think you know your Bible? I've read the Bible more than you, and I know it better than you. Come on. And I'll publicly embarrass you to make sure, right? You think you can pray, I can pray louder, longer. You think you can fast, I've fasted longer. And that elder brother spirit starts to, to sink in, and, and we see people who haven't fasted a day in their life being used by God, and we resent it. We see people... That, that haven't, they can't pray like we can pray, but yet God is using them. They're being celebrated, and we resent it. We see people who haven't gone through the old school things I had to go through. Or Come on, some, can somebody testify to the, the, remember pre-service prayer meeting? We used to have pre-service prayer meeting, and it was kind of like, you better show up. Now, I love pre-service prayer meeting. We have it here. But that doesn't make you better than anybody else. All the stuff, they do all the stuff. And so elder brothers, they have a problem and it's not what they do, it's why they do it. It's not what they do, it's why they do it. And the elder brothers have an attitude of just tell me what to do and I'll do it because I don't wanna go to hell. And I'm just gonna say this. We we need to be really careful about how we talk to our kids about hell. About how we talk to our kids about why we live for God. And I want to I I believe in hell and I believe absolutely. We're we're playing for all the marbles here. You're gonna go to heaven or hell. And those are two realities. But somewhere along the line, your motivation for serving God can't be, I don't wanna go to hell. You've got to develop a love for the Father's house. And you you say, you know what? I don't care what younger brother's doing. I'm not accountable for younger brother. I'm going to do what God's put in my heart because I love him and I want to please him. And I don't care if you applaud or not. I don't care what you think about it. It pleases the Father, and so I'm going to serve him, and, I, and I'm going to just tell you right now, we, we need a spirit of holiness and righteousness. We need to reject this younger brother attitude that's creeping in, because that's just as wrong. But it cannot be from an attitude of, I just don't want to go to hell. You will turn into the elder brother if that is your philosophy following Jesus because he's been so good and he's been so kind. I want to please him. I want to please him. And here's what I'm gonna say. We need to develop God-given convictions that isn't Determined by whether a younger brother does it or not. Amen. You see, elder brothers want to make sure you do everything they do because they're keeping score. And that's not how grace works. It's not how grace works. There's a lot of us don't deserve to be here today. Let's just be honest. There's a lot of sinners out there today that are nicer than us. But God, for whatever reason, chose us. And so that should make us love him from a pure heart that says, God, if you never bless me another day in my life, and if you bless younger brother more, I'm just happy to be here. I'm just happy to be in your house. Jesus said in in Matthew chapter 6, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who's in heaven. He says, when you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet before you. Don't put it all over Facebook. Do it quietly. He says in verse 5, he says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites and they love to stand and pray in the synagogue in the street corner so that they can be seen by other people. But what, go to your prayer closet. I'm going to tell you, that the only time we pray cannot be here in, in God's house so that we look like we've got to have a prayer life in private. We've got to have a prayer life at home. And he says, he says this about the, the Pharisees in Matthew 23. He says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. You know what that means? I'm gonna put all these expectations on you, but don't you dare ask me to come to a small group to help you. Come on. Don't you dare you know, to, to lower myself and live in your shoes and realize that you need help. It's not just about following the rules, but it's about having someone show you how to do it. Someone show you how to obey. And he says this, he says, they do all their deeds to be seen by others so that they can stay, they can keep their status in the Father's house. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others." In other words, they they would dress in a certain way so that when they walked into a place, they would say, there's the really good people. And they use that as a way to intimidate everyone else. And to subtly send a message, you'll never be as good as me. And again, it goes back to our motivation. Is I don't wanna be better than you. I want the Holy Ghost to make me better than me. Amen. Yeah. They love to sit on platforms, Jesus says. They love the best seats in the house. You can't just call them Jeremy, you've got to call them brother, higher apostle, bishop Jeremy. Because they're important. But here's where we gotta see the reward is. And that is this. Big Brother Vince, we've established, he has a little bit of a point, but he's also got an attitude and a heart that's in the wrong place. And the father listens to him. In verse 31 it says this, father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother was dead, now he's alive, he was lost, he was found. And here's what the father's saying to the big brother. Son, your reward for those years that you were here was me. It's not the inheritance. It's not heaven, but it's my presence. And son, don't you see that what was lost was found? And we've got to celebrate. And here's what I wanna tell us today. My reward is the Father's presence father's house? Why do I live a holy, separated lifestyle? I want to please dad. I want dad's presence in my life. You see, it doesn't matter if I have all the money in the world and it doesn't matter if I have all the promises and blessings that are on my life come to fruition if I don't have dad. I don't have the Father's presence in my life. So I'm reaching for two groups of people today. Those of you that have ran and you've squandered all that you have on this world. Those of you who have left the Father's house, I wanna say welcome home. Stay here. We're glad you're here. We celebrate you because we're all even at the foot of the cross. And to those of us, good church people who've been here for a long time and you're asking, is it worth it? You're asking, is it worth living for God? Is it worth coming to church another Sunday? Is it worth giving one more time? Is it worth praying again? Is it worth making that sacrifice to live this holy life? lifestyle i want to tell you yes it is because the promise is this we get the father we get the father's house we get the father's presence we get to come in here we can and we count and feel something that you can't buy that you can't contain and that is the presence of god in this house that's what i want for my family that's what i want for church is that we have the presence of God in our life. Come on, if we could all stand right now. I don't want to have a form of godliness so that I can make people happy. I don't want to prove that I'm better than anybody else. I just want to please my Father, because if I ever lose His presence, if I ever lose His Spirit in my life, It's all for nothing. Every hand lifted, so Lord, take us back. God, I pray if there's any elder brother attitudes in my heart, take it out, God. Lord, I pray any judgmentalism, God, I pray. Lord, any resentment, God. Lord, anything, God. Lord, that keeps me from realizing Lord, the grace and mercy that's been poured out on my life. God, I pray, Lord, for our young people. Lord, I pray, God, for potential prodigals. Lord, I pray against any attitudes in our young people that say, when I'm 18, I'm out of here. When I'm 18, I'm going to go live my life. and." live the pleasures of the world. Lord, I pray, give them a heart for the Father's place. Give them a heart for the Father's house, God. Lord, I pray not one of them walk away. God, I pray not one of them compromise. Not one of them, God, stray away, God. Lord, I pray, Jesus, give us a love for your house, God. In this hour, in Jesus' name, this altar is open right now. Come on, if you need to make a new commitment, if you need to get right with God, come to this altar. If you need to get back to a place, a fellowship with the Father,